I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. Accepted the, the podcast. podcast, and I'm not Theo, and I'm not Juliet. Yay! Uh, it's good that Boo. we're ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about witches, but before we get to that, <laughs> we, bef- before we get to that, uh, <laughs> what's shaking bacon? What's shaking bacon? Um, when you sent me the email, all it said was witches, and then had a link <laughs> to the article. I was uh-huh. so excited. I was oh. like, yay, th- this is for me, because we had to do the sports thing last week, and so right. this is me, yay. <laughs> you, it's like you threw a pile of cocaine on the floor and handed me a gold straw. Uh-huh. I just couldn't have been happier. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, the week, like, we had a friend come over for dinner last night, and that was real normal, pre-COVID stuff, hugged, didn't even think about, you know, oh my gosh, right. we shouldn't be hugging. Um I've been out and about in stores. I carry my mask with me in my hand now, but uh-huh. I don't put it on my face. I just sort of dangle it like like a little Barbie purse just to let people know. <laughs> like, I might well, have some change in here. Where do you hold your here. Barbie purse? Oh, well, that goes in my pocket. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. And then work. So, you know. Yay, work, yay. Yay, work. It brings in the cash. It it brings in the cash is right, and it leaves my fingers as soon as I touch it. Oh, for real. Gone and gone and gone on the dumbest stuff. Like, I need another fucking pillow in this house. Um, okay, and what about you? What's shaking bacon? I bought some Tom Ford lipstick. <laughs> oh! Well, you have Actually, been gone I've got for a month. Several of them now, so I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to say that I just love it, though. It's so it's so nice, uh, and it, the colors are just amazing. But anyway, this is not a makeup podcast. Um, I have been in Arizona, as most of you will recall, uh, for the past five or six weeks, and I'm coming home now. So I'm on midway, more or less midway, in Santa Clarita. Um, California. So just chilling out, getting a good night's sleep last night at the lovely dog-friendly hotel. Um, other than that, not too much going on. Just work. Work is finally, oh, thank God, work is finally starting to calm down a little bit now that I've hired another person to help me. So thank God that he exists, this person that I hired, because he's good. <laughs> and uh, he, he has taken a, a, a massive weight off my shoulders. So I'm feeling a little bit better about things in general um, now. And I'm looking forward to going home and seeing my husband and having some pineapple because I can't get really good fruits or vegetables or anything in Arizona. There's this one market and it's kind of crappy. Um, so I've missed eating good food while I've been gone. I plan to make up for that today when I get home by ordering some spring rolls and some Still with the spring rolls. Still with the spring rolls. Telling you I, I need them. And eating some cake and some 
um, what do you call it? Um, what do you call it? Pineapple food. before, before <laughs> some food before I go back on my diet tomorrow. Um, but I have lost 26 pounds, which wow. I said last week that I would be excited when I lost 25 pounds. So I'm totally excited now. I'm, I'm I, 25 pounds seems like a lot to me. Um, I can't really tell the difference. I mean, I kind of can't, I kind of can, but uh, it seems like if you lose 25 pounds, you should really be able to notice, but whatever. Um, I've got, I've got some more weight to lose, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but all is well in, in uh, Juliet land. All is well in Juliet land. And I am yeah. so excited not only to hear that, but you are, you're a real American hero. Because <laughs> 26 pounds is a massive achievement. That congratulations! Couldn't do it without the drugs. I thought you were going to say me. I was going to say do it without you. Yeah. Well, that's true, Juliet. <laughs> so yeah, good news all around today. Um, let's talk about the witches. Let's talk, talk about, about witches. witches, yippee! Are you ready? I don't know. I'm not sure you're ready. I have been ready for this since the day I was born. <laughs> Didn't we talk about witches once before, or, or am I wrong? We did. So we talked about the Salem witch trials, which happened ah, yes. in America, and the apology. <laughs> Thanks for that. Was from well, you're welcome. <laughs> well, I have to set up the audience, right? For, okay. Okay. For, this, for what? How is this different from your Salem thing? And wasn't one witch hunt the same as another? Largely, yes. I mean, that's <laughs> a witch, and then you kill her. Um, it's typically always a her. Uh, but that apology came from one of the accusers who, in the 1600s, said, "Oh, all these people in my village are witches." And then, as an adult, that person, um, Anne. Oh my God, Paris Hutchins. I can't sure. remember her name. It's Anne for oh. sure. Okay. Uh, apologized, right? So we rated her apology. This is a government saying, oh, yeah. God, you guys, we're real, real sorry for all the witches that we burned. And <laughs> so it's a, and burned versus hanged. So yeah. uh, the worst. It, in America and yeah, in, in the U.S., uh, witches were hanged. Uh, it was a sign of treason. And then... In Europe, it was, witchcraft was a heresy, and heretics burned. Oh, um, I see. And Scotland burned their witches. I'm sure there were some hangings as well. Um, and how and why Scotland itself burned witches, I don't know. I didn't dive that far into the, into the politics of it. Um, but we'll go. I mean, we'll just let that one go. There's okay. there's a you know, reason why some countries hanged witches and some countries uh, burned Burn. people. And the difference was how the crime was seen. It was either heresy against the church or it was an act of treason against your king. Gotcha. There we go. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. As much as so, anything does about witch hunts. Yeah. Right. Um, so between the late 16th century and 18th century, uh, about 4,000 people in Scotland were accused of witchcraft. About two-thirds, or 2,500, were executed or burned, I assume. Um, many confessions were given under duress, so most often it was sleep deprivation, but there was also physical torture such as thumbscrews and iron muzzles. Um, yes, which sounds very painful. And in Scotland, about 84% of the people accused of witchcraft were women. And I just had to put this in. The New York Times said, uh, I thought it was funny, this paragraph, unlike the United States, whose own shameful history of witch trials in Salem, Massachusetts, led to official exonerations and victim memorials, the Scottish government had never apologized for the atrocities committed against its citizens. 
I was like, okay, New York Times, that's a little America-centric of you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but okay, yeah, America's great. America ended up being wonderful to the witches it killed, but Scotland right. still being mean to those witches it killed. Yeah, so... Uh, Funny. Yeah. Anyway, uh, witch trials in Scotland were encouraged by the Protestant clergy and were conducted at the local level, where judges had little oversight and could more easily use torture to extract more confessions, according to Michelle Brock, an associate professor at Washington and Lee University in Virginia, who teaches about the histories of the supernatural. She said, it was an environment of heightened religious anxiety. The clergy, local magistrates, and the monarchy cooperated in the project of building a godly state, and a godly state can't countenance witches. Women were especially vulnerable to accusations of witchcraft, in part because they were seen as more susceptible to Faustian bargains, Professor Brock said. Who is most likely to be vulnerable to the devil? Who is most likely to make a pact to exchange their soul in return for goods and power? She said, people imagined women because they didn't have the same degree of power in society. I like that. And I like the way she said people imagined women, not women. Women are more <laughs> likely <laughs> to make Faustian bargains. <laughs> so what happened? This year on International Women's Day, Nicola Sturgeon, Scotland's first minister, issued a formal apology to the people tortured and executed under the Witchcraft Act of 1563. That law, which was passed which was passed by the Scottish Parliament, made witchcraft or consulting with witches a capital offense. In her speech before Parliament, Sturgeon said, Those who met this fate were not witches, they were people, and they were overwhelmingly women. It was injustice on a colossal scale, driven at least in part by misogyny in its most literal sense, hatred of women. At a time when women were not even allowed to speak as witnesses in a courtroom, they were accused and killed because they were poor, different, vulnerable, or in many cases, just because they were women, she said. Sturgeon said there were three reasons why this generation should apologize for events that took place centuries ago. Firstly, acknowledging injustice, no matter how historic, is important. The Parliament has issued, rightly so, formal apologies and pardons for the more recent historic injustices suffered by gay men and by minors. Second, for some, this is not yet historic. There are parts of our world where even today, women and girls face persecution and sometimes death because they have been accused of witchcraft. And thirdly, fundamentally, while here in Scotland the Witchcraft Act may have been consigned to history a long time ago, the deep misogyny that motivated it has not. We live with that still. Today it expresses itself not in claims of witchcraft, but in everyday harassment, online rape threats, and sexual violence. As First Minister, on behalf of the Scottish Government, she continued, I am choosing to acknowledge the egregious historic injustice and extend a formal posthumous apology to all those accused, convicted, vilified, or executed under the Witchcraft Act of 1563. I don't know why she says online rape threats, like people don't get rape threats in real life, but I'll just leave that aside. Um, I'm going to guess that online you have a uh, physical evidence that something has been said, whereas in the real world, if somebody says something, maybe it becomes he said, she right. said sort of stuff, right? I see. Um, is, is my guess, but also maybe there's some big government online yeah um, maybe some online stuff. anti-harassment thing happening yeah. That, yeah, that's exactly what i was gonna say <laughs> i just beat to it 
so lawyer Claire Mitchell and writer Zoe Vendatazzi founded Witches of Scotland after partnering up to create a true crime podcast. On International Women's Day in 2020, the two launched the Witches of Scotland campaign, which pushed for the Scottish Parliament to pardon and memorialize the accused. Last year, organizers submitted a petition bearing the signatures of more than 3,400 supporters to the Scottish government. And I understand that this was um, this had a role in Sturgeon making her speech, that the petition was actually influential. So Mitchell and Venditazzi told the New York Times that they were delighted with Sturgeon's speech. Ms. Mitchell said, however, that the campaign's efforts would not stop until Scotland formally pardoned the victims and erected a monument to them. We want there to be a state national monument that will mark what happened, Venditazzi said. Let people know what happened if they're traveling to the country and will and will stand for us to remember this terrible miscarriage of justice for many, many, many years to come. You know, witches are never satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. She is witches of Scotland. That kind of does imply that they're witches, but I don't know if that's what it is. Oh, they're totally witches. Oh, are they? Well, I'm just going to say they are. Okay. But I don't know that they are, right? But that's exactly how... Um, a lot of, I'll just say, I can imagine any of my Wiccan friends saying what you just said, right? So to me, that's, that speaks very strongly that this is, this is a witch saying, Hey guys, leave me alone. I wonder if they ever made their true crime podcast. I don't know. There's no way to find out. There's no way to find out. You'll never know. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. And It'll be a it mystery that will haunt you until the end of <laughs> until days. The day that I die. <laughs> so that's my news. That's my portion of the news. What are your uh, historical notes? Oh, well, I'm going to say as as um, the we're either 334 or 434. You know how I am with math and numbers. Um, leading history podcast on the globe, right? Yes. Worldwide. Um, yeah. So I had to go into the history of it. And also Yay. it was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding? We get to talk about witches and the 17th century? Wow. <laughs> this is great. That's <laughs> no good, problem. I don't know anything about either. Well, you are going to learn so much. Thanks I'm to so me. Excited. Starting right now. <laughs> I am here to tell you all about witches in Scotland, right? Hey. Okay. So witch hunting in Scotland began around 1550, um, and then the Parliament of Queen Mary passed the Scottish Witchcraft Act in 1563, making convictions for witchcraft subject to capital punishment, death, right? You're convicted of being a witch, you are killed. Um, Mary's son James wrote a book called Demonology, in 1597, uh, James went on to become not only the King of Scotland, but also the King of England. He took the throne after the death of uh, Queen Elizabeth. So um, let's see. So he wrote Demonology in 1597 after his involvement with two witch hunts um, as king. So he was king at this point. Uh, The first one was the North Berwick Witch Trials in 1590, which went on for about two years with 70 accusations, including Francis Stuart, the fifth Earl of Bothwell, and as well uh, the Great Scottish Witch Hunt of 1597, which was a nationwide hunt that started in Aberdeen. So both of these events sort of uh, influenced James to, he was obsessed with witches. We will just say he was 
absolutely obsessed with witches. So let's take a quick look at uh, at these two events. The first one, the North Berwick Witch Trials of 1590, started thanks to Denmark. Hi, Denmark, looking at you. You guys, keep your witches to yourselves. <laughs> so James had been engaged to a princess of Denmark, Anne of Denmark, and they had a marriage by proxy, and she was set to sail to England to have the actual real physical marriage, but then also be Queen of England. And uh, Storms kept her ship at home. And it took, mm, I'm going to say a year, but let's say wow. it was more than a couple of months, right? So the weather was just bad, and there was no safe way to get a princess across the ocean, right? Mm -hmm. Fishermen, you can get them by the dozen, but a princess, <laughs> yeah, got to keep her safe. So James got tired of waiting. Uh, he was ready to produce an heir. Uh, he had inherited the throne from a childless queen and not only a queen, but a woman. And we'll say that the English government was pretty much like, okay, we got a man. Now we need some kids. We need to get normality installed back in this country. So he needed his wife. So he went over to Denmark to get her and he was able to make it to Denmark, but they still had trouble leaving. Right. right? And then it came out that the trouble was because of witches. And oh, so makes sense. This was uh, the first major witchcraft persecution in Scotland. And the North Berwick witch trials began with a sensational case of the king trying to marry his, his queen or his princess. And uh, some women in Denmark confessed to causing the storms. Mm. They didn't want that marriage to happen. And they and they were, how dare there can you know there can only be one princess and it's me it's not you, <laughs> so, um, an admiral of the Danish fleet this all sort of started, blamed the storm on the wife of a high official in Copenhagen, whom he had insulted. The Copenhagen witch trials were held in Denmark in 1590. Six women confessed to raising the storms and delaying Queen Anne's voyage. And that on Halloween night, they had sent devils to climb up the keel of her ship. In September, two of the women were burned as witches in Kronberg, which is a Danish castle stronghold. Uh, James, by this point, had made it back to England with Anne and heard about the outcome of the trials. And he decided to set up some trials of his own, right? Because if there are witches in Denmark, there's got to be some witches in Scotland. And witches can control the weather. So let's... Let's get the let's get rid of them. Um, so very soon, about a hundred suspected witches in North Berwick were arrested, and many confessed under torture to having met the devil in the church at night. And they devoted themselves to evil, including trying to poison the king and other members of his household, and attempting to sink the king's ship. Uh, famously, a woman named Agnes Sampson, who was a seventy-year-old woman from Humby, refused to confess during the North. Berwick trials, so she had been implicated by some. So these other women presumably confessed under torture, right? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, definitely under torture. Um, and so Agnes refused to confess. She was brought before King James. She was tortured. She confessed, and then for her confession, uh, she was shaved entirely. All of her body hair was removed, and then she was held against the wall by in her cell by an item called a witch's bridle which was a cast iron, sort of a horse bridle 
with four prongs, two were stuck into the tongue and two in the cheeks, oh, and your mouth was God. forced open. And if you tried to speak or close your mouth, you drew blood. Oh, my God. She confessed to all 53 charges against her. So King James uh, not only famously wrote Demonology, which is exactly what you might think it is. It's a book yeah. about, like, this is what a witch looks like, and this is what they do, and these are the spirits they control, and I know all this stuff, right? Um, he wrote the Bible. He wrote the King James Bible. And oh, right. in the King James Bible, there is specifically a line that is quite famous, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Right. There might be a little bit of, what's the word I'm looking for? Force manipulation translation of the uh -huh. word witch, right? So possibly, maybe, potentially, probably, the original word was poisoner. No. There was also a concept um, in Greece of good witches versus evil witches. And there was a word for evil witches, which also apparently took the same route as, as poisoner or whatever, right? So even if it was witches, it was an evil witch because there was a distinction between white magic, black magic. We'll just put it that way. Um, so in 1663, the Scottish Witchcraft Act was passed where it was only punishable. You could only be killed if your magic was used to kill another person, okay. right? So you couldn't be killed for flying in the sky or having sex yeah. with Satan. Right. But if you kill that baby lady and you are going to be it. set on fire. It's curtains for uh, you. So, you know, you kind of like started to get a handle on things a little bit. Um, so uh, let's see here. Let's start with. Let's start with the real reason I'm very excited about all this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sounds and, good. It is so that was sort of the the conditions how witchcraft started, who kind of was leading it. It's the king. He had a personal invested interest in witches and witchcraft. He mm -hmm. definitely had a, a a thing for witches, um, and. And my guess is that these trials were particularly vicious in Scotland because the king of Scotland was personally obsessed with witches, but then later went on to become the king of England. And his yeah. ascent to the throne assured a Protestant reign um, over both countries, Scotland right. and England, right? Whereas there was always the threat that Catholicism and a Catholic king might be reinstated. Yes. Um, so, so I think a lot of this was kind of the same thing that we saw in Salem, where the king was like, oh, you know, I just wrote this Bible and uh, I'm on the devil's radar because I am so holy and so good and God is talking to me and I am magnificent. So the devil's trying to persecute me and he's using his witches to do it. <laughs> All right. So um, in 1833, we're going to go to 1833 to say that a historian named Robert Pitkern uh, came across some confessions from a Scottish witch trial, and he was mesmerized. There were four confessions from a woman uh, named Isabel Gowdy, and Isabel Gowdy is in metaphysical circles, a bunch of witch podcasts. She's the queen of the witches. Oh, 
her four confessions are lurid recountings of wow. sex with the devil and wow. and spells and visitations with the fairy realm and feasting with the queen of fairies and just a treasure trove for folklorist and mm-hmm. um, we'll say that in her confessions which are highly detailed we also get the first appearances of which is taking the shape of animals of covens and specifically of covens consisting of 13 people and it's and we'll say like historians and scholars and folklorists all like to point to these confessions and say it's it's from the imaginings of this particular woman that uh, sort of the, oh, I forget the word I'm looking for, but like the cliches around witches, mm-hmm. uh, this is where they all come from, right? Okay. Um, so cool. Isabel, there's nothing known about her beyond she was married. Uh, she married a guy named... John, I think his last name's Gilbert, and there's some guesses around her social class, uh, but really she doesn't burst into history until her confessions, and she disappears immediately after her confessions. So we know she was married. We know she confessed to witchcraft. Um, Okay, so let's take a look at the world that Isabel lived in, right? And specifically, I mean, what was her village life like? Um, So the village itself, and that's being quite generous, wasn't really a village, um, Isabel and her husband were probably tenant farmers of someone who rented the land from the laird um, or the chief landholder. So they they weren't even renting the land. Mm-hmm. They were working for a tenant of mm-hmm. the land, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this would have been a small collection of cottages huddled together, the center courtyard around these cottages in the area just around the cottages in general would have been um muck of mud and dung and chickens scratching up worms the house itself would have been low walls of turf mixed with bits of stone so it's you're just pulling um uh, ground up and propping it up with logs Mm. and a thatch roof of broom um, or marm grass one door and then one unglazed window, which I had to look up because I sort of thought glazed meant shiny. And I was like, who cares if the window's not shiny? No, <laughs> glazed means glass. And so what they're saying when they say an unglazed window oh is God. there was a hole in the wall. Oh, my God. And then you could close it up with shutters or an animal hide. Um, wow. Yeah. Oh, it's it so much more fun. I can't wait. Um, okay. So in the novel from 1658 called Northern Memoirs, one of the characters says, in my opinion, Scottish cottages are but little better than huts and generally the same size, all built so low that their eaves hang dangling to touch the earth. In 1699, Edward Ward said that the houses of the poor were so small that it is no difficulty to piss over them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's man. the new everything. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry you don't get to piss over any houses, but well, (laughs) on an airplane, I guess. But um, okay, so enough of that. In 1794, which is a hundred and some odd years later, James Donaldson observed that in Nairnshire, uh, which is in northern Scotland, the habitations of the poor tenants in the district are mean, dark, and dirty cottages built of turf without order or connection with each other. 
Ugh. Yeah. The house itself would have been about four meters wide, which is like 12 feet. Um, and the floor would have been like beaten earth or hard clay. And the, the space itself would have been divided in two and the animals would have been kept on one side in cold weather and at night to prevent theft, but also for heat. Um, to, one, to keep the animals warm and two, the more the merrier when it's freezing outside. The fireplace was likely to have been in the center of the room, built directly on the floor, backed by a large flat stone against which the ashes could be banked. Smoke would have made its way upward and filtered out through the thatch, or maybe through a hole in the center of the roof. Sometimes that hole would have been topped with a rudimentary wooden chimney, perhaps made from an old bucket without a bottom. Arching over your head, the fire-blackened wood skeleton of the house would have been hung with baskets of dried fish and dried meat preserving in the smoke. So it's going to be a small, smoky space. Um, probably not super fun to live in. Sounds horrible. No furniture. They would have typically had two chests, uh, one for meal, food, utensils, things like mm -hmm. that, and the other for clothes. And then if they were lucky, they would have had one or two stools for sitting. Wow. Um, James Kirkwood noticed in the 1660s that the poorer Scots generally sat about the ground around the fire. Kitchen utensils would have been mostly wooden. And then uh, knives and cauldrons being made of metal would have been highly prized. In the corners of the cottage, sheepskins or piles of straw or heather perhaps uh sewn together into rudimentary mattresses would have been put to one side ready to be flung around the fire at night um the living area again constantly smoky in 1720s so we're i don't know 40 50 years after the time of isabel gowdy uh, in the 1720s edward burt noticed that in the winter the poor scots huddled close to the fire till their legs and thighs are scorched to an extraordinary degree and mm. many have sore eyes and some are quite blind. This long continuance in the smoke makes them almost as black as chimney sweeps. God. Bert also noticed that when it rained, water frequently comes through the roof of the cottage and mixes with the sootiness of the inside where Ugh. all the sticks look like charcoal and the rainwater falls and drops like ink onto the inhabitants below. While worms dislodged from their homes in the turfed walls and thatch fall yeah. to the floor. Uh, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. So this is what she's living in, right? That's so bad. Which sounds like there's not going to be a lot of food. There's not no. going to be a lot. You know, your toilet is a hole you dig. There's probably some form of an outhouse somewhere, right? But Oh, yeah. But this is, this is uh, by our modern standards... What do they call it? Uh, uh, developing world. Oh yeah. Level of of like, they are subsistence That's farmers living whatever right. It's bad. It's it's super bad. So nobody knows anything about Janet, right? Oh, I lied. Her name's not Janet. It's Isabel. <laughs> <laughs> um. Dang it! It is Isabel. Uh. So nobody knows anything much about. Isabel herself, other than she married this guy, right? Mm -hmm. Who was a not even a tenant farmer. He worked for a tenant farmer. Mm -hmm. um, records provide no information on Gowdy before her marriage to John Gilbert. Um, he had no involvement in the witchcraft case. Uh, there's speculation that she was brought up in 
Alderan region, and I'm mispronouncing that a little bit, so sorry, Scottish family. I can't help it. Learn to spell the names of your towns the way you pronounce them. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see. There's no detail on her age. She could have been anywhere from about 15 to 50. Mm-hmm. There, people get real excited, though, to start talking about her age because she mentions in her confession that she's been sexually active for 15 years. And so oh, okay. people are like, well, there's no way she could have been 15. You think we should have been sexually active as a, as a young child. And there's a, right. And so, man, she probably wasn't 15. But there's yeah. this real desire out there to make uh, Isabel Gowdy gorgeous and yeah. young. Yeah. Right. They even yeah. ascribe uh, red hair to her. Right? right. She's a redheaded beauty. And it's like nobody knows any of that, everybody. Calm down. Quit projecting your fantasies onto this woman. Um, let's see. So we talked a little bit about what her living conditions were like. They lived around Loch Loy. Uh, and let's see here. So she made, it, seemingly, she just walked in and confessed. There's no try. There's no record of her being tortured. There's no uh, record of her being executed. So people fill in the blanks with whatever whatever they want, right? Um, but she explodes into history because of her four confessions made over a six-week period. The first was dated April 13th of 1662, and today is April 24th. So we are in the period of the six weeks of confession of Isabel Gowdy. Uh, today is 2022. That was 1662. So that was like 4,000 years ago. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, it's close to 400. Yeah, it's uh, 400. 300 and I'm not good. You know what? There are calculators, everybody. You don't need me to yeah. do your homework for you. Um, okay. So her first confession describes an encounter with the devil after she uh, met him at a Kirk in Aldern at night, right? And so, um, let's see. Let's go into her first confession, and we'll just get a couple of pieces from it, right? Um, so, here's the scene. Isabel Gowdy either just walked into the the trial hall of her own accord, knowing that which trials were happening. Or she was brought before the magistrate. Either way, she ends up being questioned. And Uh so the question is, how did you meet the devil? As I was going between the farmsteads of Drumwooden and the Heeds, I met the devil and there made a sort of covenant with him. I promised to him during the night um, we would meet in the Kirk of Aldrin, which I did. What happened? I just love, it's like you're meeting the devil and it's what happened, right? <laughs> ah, that's, I mean, that's the question, but also like, what? Um, <laughs> the first thing I did that night was deny my baptism. Then I put one of my hands on the crown of my head and the other to the sole of my foot and renounced all between my two hands to the devil. He was in the reader's desk with a black book in his hand. Margaret Brody from Alderan held me up to the devil to be baptized by him. And he marked me in the shoulder and he sucked out my blood and 
from that mark, he spat it into his hand and sprinkling it on my head said, I baptize thee Janet in my own name. Janet? Yes. So he called her Janet, which I think is why there are so many sexy hot names for witches. <laughs> Janet, see, only Satan would name you something as boring and mundane as Janet. Janet. Sorry, Janet's out there. Um, <laughs> so he named her Janet. And and honestly, it just makes me so sad for her. Um, but, you know, I mean, clearly what's happening in here is she's just recounting um, sort of the common belief that witches were witches because they denied Christianity. And so everything they did was in opposition to Christian beliefs and practices, right? So, of course, the devil's going to baptize her, right? It's like, you don't need to be baptized, whatever, fine. Uh, it's not even so much the concept of meeting a fairy queen or the devil. It's like, wow, this this really tracks with Christianity. I wonder what's going on here, right? Um, and so, fine. Her second confession, um, she starts getting a little more detailed about her sexual relations with the devil. Uh, we won't go into great detail there. She does. <laughs> and what I love about the the confessions is she starts telling these stories, right? And here she is, this woman who lives with, with inky rain falling on her, no food, talking about how she is getting back at the gentry and the priest and the the laird, the the guy who, the big, big, big guy, right? And his family, and she's punishing them. And, you know, she's flexing her power. And her confessions involve food, a lot of food and a lot of drink. And she talks about how she and the witches uh, cast spells to steal ale from people, right? It's obviously the the imaginings of a very hungry person, right? Um, so let's see, her second confession, where she gets into great more detail about her name, uh, sorry, her uh, her sex life with the devil, uh, but she also talks about the coven and the members and the spirits that attend to the members and the even down to like the color clothing that each of the servants spirit servants wears, right? So one spirit always wears yellow and another one always wears green. And the spirits have nicknames for the witches. And some of the nicknames are just like over the top. Uh, and my favorite one is one of the witches is called Pickled Nearest the Wind. <laughs> Why? Don't know. Why? Right? Another witch was called Over the Dyke with her, um, <laughs> which is... Uh, dyke is a wall in Scotland, so just throw her over the wall. Awesome and cool. Um, when she's talking about her sexual liaisons with Satan, every word is written down. The minute she starts going into fairy lore, the the transcriber writes, etc., etc., etc. So Isabel might start saying something like, um, "Oh yes, I met the fairy queen. We walked into." Uh, the fairy mound at midnight on Candlemas, and she was in attendance by several hundred uh, fairies and some goblins, and they were eating and drinking, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. I want to know. Tell me more, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> and so a, a real loss to folklorists there. Um, 
On May 15th of 1662, she was brought before her interrogators for a third time, uh, sorry, um, taking the information she previously provided about elf arrows. She revealed the names of the people that they killed using the elf arrows, expressing regret for the deaths she caused, and supplied the names of other coven members with the details of who they had murdered too. She Mm. gave an account of the devil sending her on an errand to Alderin disguised as a hare. Her narrative goes on to describe how, while in that form, she was chased by a pack of dogs. She escaped them by running from house to house until eventually she had the opportunity to utter the chant to transform herself back into a woman. She added that sometimes the dogs would be able to bite a witch when they were in animal form, but the dogs could not kill a witch. The bites and scars would appear on the human form once the witch assumed her normal shape. Uh, let's see. Descriptions of dining with the devil and his beating of coven members members, and their responses to the beatings are recounted. Salacious details concerning sexual relations with the devil together with broad characteristics of his genitalia are chronicled. Continue, <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's a lot of um, oh, it's so big. It's bigger than any man's. Oh, it's, you know, it's, yeah. All right. Okay, Isabel Janet. Um, let's see. Um, and then her fourth and final confession dated May 27th of 1662, basically confirms the first three previous testimonies, coupled with an attempt to elicit more information about the members of the coven to enable charges to be brought against them. 41 people were arrested as the result of Gowdy's statements. Um, Wow. Yeah. And so here's this weird thing that happened. So Isabel wanders into uh, the trial house on April 13th of 1662. Three days earlier, on April 10th of 1662, the Privy Council had issued a proclamation prohibiting torture being used as a means of securing confessions from witches. So odd, right? I mean, odd timing here. Um, So it was, hey, guys, we really can't be torturing people to get witchcraft confessions out of them. And so, sure, maybe you can do it, um, counsel, but there are, there are procedures now in place that you have to follow if you're going to employ torture. Mm-hmm. And three days later, Isabel shows up to confess, right? And she doesn't... So since there's no real record of her being tortured, it's like, well, did she hear this proclamation or somehow word of it reach her? And did she decide to go in and offer a confession and this is where things start to get dicey right because um i listened to a bunch of like wiccan podcasts and everybody's convinced isabel gowdy's who you want her to be some witches are convinced that she was an actual witch and that she was feeling the guilt of the spells that she had practiced and so she went in to apologize um others say you know just a crazy sad old woman um beaten down by life, looking for mm-hmm. attention. Who knows? We don't know what happened to her. Um, a great majority of the uh, witches in Scotland who were accused were executed. So pretty likely that she was executed. And that the fact that there's no record of it simply means, and I can say this, that this 
Scots just didn't keep great records. That's it. And it was like, you're a witch. You're dead. I don't need to write it down. Who cares? And and that was that. Um, and so this thing about the apology and, and Nicholas Sturgeon apologizing, right? I, I asked James, who is Scottish, right? Um, a couple of questions last night. And the first one was, hey, when you were growing up, did they talk about the witch trials? And he was like, no. So did you know that there were witch trials in Scotland? And he was like, no, not really. I mean, maybe, but probably not. It's just not a thing, right? I'm like, okay, all right, cool. Um, and he he was really more like, why bother? What What's the point? Why did Nicholas uh-huh. Sturgeon apologize? This feels like a big waste of time. It's not important. Nobody's running around saying, oh, help these poor witches. Well, apparently there are two witches in Scotland who are running around saying, oh, help these yeah, poor witches. Yeah, 13,000 people signed the petition. So, Oh, was it that high? I didn't realize I it was so. that high. Oh, no, um, no. Sorry, 3,400. Yeah, 3,400. That uh, Not that I remember that. I remember the 400. I thought it was only 400, but <laughs> whatever, right? Um Here's my thing. I get that it was International uh, Women's Day, and I get yeah. that Nicholas Sturgeon um, is a is a great leader for Scotland. Um, people in Scotland are quite divided on that, but I think she's a great leader. Um, she is a woman herself. This all really makes sense. Uh, but also, Scotland is one of the few European countries not to apologize for the witch craze. Uh. This is Scotland's entry into Europe. <laughs> okay. Right now they're part gotcha. of the UK and because of Brexit, Scotland uh, isn't part of Europe officially, but they want to yeah. be. Right. They would happily leave the UK to right. join the EU. So let's see what happens in the future. But um, when Scotland declares independence and says, yep, we're European now, I am going to point to this podcast and say, we did it. You, you you predicted it. We, we predicted it, but we also made it happen. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's it. That's Isabel Gowdy. That's witches in the uh, 1600s, late 1500s, early 1600s. No, late 1600s. That's it. Yes, late 1600s. We'll just say that's it. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the apology. Let's. I was not able to find... The total text of the apology. I don't know if you were or not. I was not either. Okay, so I read it up above, up above previously. Um, so I won't, I won't go through it again. But um, I say overall, um, I would give her apology a five out of ten. And I think um, when you're looking at apologies, we, one of the things we want to see is a promise to never let the thing happen again. And I don't know how you'd promise not to torture and execute witches again, but as Nicola Sturgeon notes, there are other oppressed groups now that she could have mentioned and drawn a clearer parallel to and promised to do better for, but she didn't. So that's why mm. one reason why I don't give it a higher score. There were also there was also no offer of repair to the victims or their right. descendants. So no promise of giving the, the given money or items items to the people who descended from the witches. Um, Normally, also, we expect a request for forgiveness, but it's kind of hard to ask for forgiveness on behalf of the people who did wrong and are not themselves able to apologize. I know the Pope did it last time, but that was a little bit of a different situation. And he's the the Pope. The Catholic Church, right? Um, Entirely different thing. 
Um, and I also personally would have liked to see her say that witches aren't real and that all religion is a sham. But that's probably oh, the wow. to expect. <laughs> well, yes, that would have been a very special Juliet apology. <laughs> that would have been great. Right. Well, I mean, witches are real. There are witches well, out there. Well, people exist who say they're witches. Uh, yes. But they don't you know do things that witches are supposed to do they don't consort with the devil or whatever because there is no devil so uh, i agree well we'll just say we live spells in a, also don't work we live in a world that allows for <laughs> many world views and so one person's perception of reality differs greatly is from wrong. another person's <laughs> perception of reality and in your reality there is no such thing as witchcraft and in my reality, watch out, there's a witch. <laughs> All right, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, five out of ten. What do you give it? I'm going to say I was all set to give it like a seven because uh -huh. I thought that she did a really good job of taking something that was 400 years ago and could have very well just been a like fun PR move or whatever. Well, we, we pardon all the witches and yeah, whatever. And we're going to spend a thousand bucks to build a thing. Cool. Whatever. Um, but you know, she, they didn't do that. Um, but I, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of a cool move. Uh, mm -hmm. but you have actually altered my, my mm -hmm. rating. Right. Um, and I will say, uh, five as well. Yeah. Um, because Makes sense to me. I think you are right. I would not want her to say that witches are not real. Um, <laughs> uh, how great if she'd gone behind the microphone and had said, we're starting witch trials again. What a great idea. <laughs> that would be funny. I mean, not really, but. <laughs> what if, well, it would have been funny, but yeah, no. It would have been uh, awful. So, um, so yeah, it's uh it's an apology that doesn't really do anything and yeah. you're right in that it would have been better had she said and this this was the thing that really made me shave off two points um mm -hmm. that she should have said something along the lines of government should not um persecute citizens unjustly and we will right. strive not to do the same. Not so much like, we promise never to burn another witch again, everybody. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. But more, hey, we're going to watch out for innocent people who are wrongly accused. Accused. And, or groups. Groups, we should say, right? Um, yeah. And, and she flirts with it, but, but she doesn't say that. And so that, and then um, restitution was something that I, that I was, we'll say, wrestling with um, mm -hmm. last night. And our friend who came over for dinner is an attorney. And I was like, hey, I have a I have a question to ask you for my podcast because I'm too lazy to Google this. And also, I don't think <laughs> I'd understand what I was reading. Um, so, so a government kills its citizens for whatever that reason is, right? Um, we can't sue the government for killing groups of people uh, because of this thing called sovereign immunity. And so it was really odd to me to think that um, governments in the West are typically democracies, so created by the people, and the people have decided that the people can't sue the people for right. 
for a, a, a gross violation of of justice, and and I still don't understand why that's the case, but it's the case. It's it's the law, and uh, and our friend last night eventually just took my hand and said, "Honey, it's a podcast. Don't worry, you'll be fine." <laughs> I'm kidding. She didn't do that, but but at a certain point, I was like, "You know what? I'm I I I'm good." I, I don't understand a word you're saying. Oh. I don't even know that they're all in English. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's it. So an point. average apology, uh, Nicholas Sturgeon, only because it was an opportunity for you to step up Do better. and say a little more. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yes, it, 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 in Juliet's world, you could have said a lot, lot more. All religions are fictitious. Um, Religion is bullshit and harmful, and we should abolish all religion. But Sign then, Nicola Sturgeon. What will people do? <laughs> Drink. Oh, all right. Well, then I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> Let's make that happen. They could go hiking. I don't know. They could do a lot of other things. <laughs> um, okay. So, do you have a who's sorry now or an apology expected? I do. Not. You do? No. Oh, but I, I will. Say, I didn't think okay. Do you want me to tell you mine? Mine uh, is really yes, please. obvious. So, um, I have an apology expected, and it's Bill Murray, and uh, because he supposedly, um, what did he do? Like, I forget. Uh, improper some, behavior. Some, improper behavior, but I don't know if there anything else was was specifically described that he did. But uh, he's on the um, on this movie, Searchlight Pictures movie called Being Mortal, and uh, Searchlight sent a letter to the cast and crew saying that the filming was suspended. Um, because there was a complaint, and after reviewing the circumstances, it has been decided that production cannot continue at this time. And at the same time-ish last year, um, Lucy Liu said that Bill Murray verbally attacked her on the set of the 2000 movie Charlie's Angels, and that the language he used towards her was inexcusable and unacceptable. So he does have at least some sort of history of being questionable, having questionable behavior, but I, I don't know what his behavior was on being mortal. But I expect an apology from him. Um, it'll be interesting to see if one is forthcoming. I want. I don't think Bill Murray is ever going to apologize. Um, uh, I kind of get that feeling too. Yeah, I. I don't know anything about him. I've heard he's not that nice, but that's kind of all I've ever heard. Um, yeah. But then I've also heard, like, from one person who did meet him, that said he was the nicest guy in the world. They met on a golf course or something weird. Um, yeah. So. So yeah, but I. You know, we'll just say that like people get reputations for being difficult, but I've never heard anything about him being like there's i don't know of any sexual assault things so maybe he's just a little bit of a jerk but you know maybe. if you consider yourself a living icon right that's kind right. of a jerky thing right there yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> hey wait a minute <laughs> um i do not have an apology expected so i am going to or who's sorry now really so i am going to cough out a real quick Rudy Giuliani Poem. appeared. All of them. Everybody. <laughs> every witch ever. Okay, go ahead. Every ghost and goblin. Um, <laughs> Rudy Giuliani appeared on some TV show called The Masked Singer. And I expect uh, an apology from the producers of The Masked Singer uh, for having, um, having a traitor 
right. on their show. Didn't somebody walk off? Yeah, one of the judges walked off, and uh, good for him. But the other two just stood up and cheered and danced. Oh, and I'm like, God, you really? assholes, man. It's like, what the fuck? This guy, with, this is the guy that doesn't want you to have rights over your own body. Yeah. And you were up there dancing cheering. and cheering. And yeah, yeah, yeah. This wow. country is doomed. Doomed. Yes, it is. Totally unfortunately. doomed. Unfortunately. Yeah. We talked about that last night um, about kind of like, you know, sometimes it's just like too much and I'm going to pull back and not watch a lot of news and just sort of like tend to my yeah. own little life. And then we talked about tomato plants. Uh, like Then we got this long conversation about growing tomatoes and all that. Uh-huh. And I forgot to tell you that Hildebrandt and Bingham have been viciously attacked by squirrels. Um, Bingham, my strawberry plant, is not Aww. ever putting out any delicious red juicy strawberries. Because those squirrels rip them off while they're still green. Um, and then the tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You should put a cage around them, like a, you know, like wire, Ooh. a wire fence thing, little, you know, wire, whatever. Did not occur to me at all. <laughs> Didn't occur to me at all. I just want to complain about you it. You can get that at Home Depot. And then that would also keep your dog from shitting on it. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> could make that happen. Like, <laughs> he will go where he wants to go. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I know yeah. this. Oh, another sorry, wonderful though. episode of Apologies Accepted, the podcast. Yes. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back next week with another surprise topic. It won't um, be about witches. because It won't be about witches, although this was a very interesting one. Uh Okay. You're welcome. Bye. Okay. Bye. to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to the articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.